Most people have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Okay, so I need Tinder advice. Wow. No, no, no. Yeah, it's another one. Yeah, girls and summer song. Yeah. Something about the way. Hello, 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 and welcome. What's up? This is the Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. It's the conversation show where every episode we sit down with entrepreneurs, musicians, creatives, or just flat out interesting people and tackle life's important questions together so that we can all just get a better handle on who we are and how we present ourselves to our world. I'm your co-host Rajiv Nathan. As always, I'm alongside Martin McGovern. And in this episode, we caught up with our friend Susie Alvarez. Susie is someone we went to college with. She's a marketing consultant with Covalent Marketing, and she also has a pretty strong background in improv comedy. Now, we had one topic in mind when we started this, but you'll see as we get rolling that we totally transition, and the question we end up exploring is, how do you become a better listener? And we have a lot of good dialogue about this considering Susie's improv and communication background. Two quick things I want to remind you guys before we get rolling. Number one, if you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, if you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review so we can improve the show. Number two, if you're not already, go to idealemon.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. Over there is where we take topics like what we talk about here and propel them to a whole nother level and have even better conversations. All right, enough of me talking. Let's dig right into it. This is our episode of How Do You Become a Better Listener with Susie Alvarez. Let's listen in. Having a conversation with somebody and they have no idea what you're talking about because you don't know what you're talking about. Like, what's your point? What is the essence of this conversation? Like, what are you trying to accomplish and just get to that? Otherwise there's all this like encoding and decoding and no one really knows what you're talking about. And half an hour later, someone's like, okay, wait, are we even talking about the same thing? Right. That happens in arguments. There was a, there was a, Oh, it happens everywhere. Have you seen that? There's a key and peel skit where they were like, (laughs) it was like one of those like CNN like political debate, like crossfire kind of shows. (laughs) And he's like, like, he is like, the problem with Obama. You have to look at the amount of people enrolled in the healthcare system and the tremendous effect that it has on the economy. You're missing the point. You are missing the point. What you have to do, what you have to do is look at the tremendous effect that Obamacare is having on the U.S. economy. And in addition, you have to look at the government bailouts of the auto industry and the banking industry. You got it wrong. I got it wrong. So wrong. You have to look at the effect on the banking industry as well as the auto industry, my friend. When you do, the the only conclusion. Conclusion is, is that, that Obama, Obama is, is a, a disaster. disaster. Are you a Republican? Yes. I'd like to apologize for this programming mistake. In the future, we will do better at choosing our guests. Here, on Diametrically Opposed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many times have you gotten into an argument that was completely unnecessary? Oftentimes. But it's also the way that we construct ourselves, right? Because a lot of people are very defensive when they approach something because they're like, I want to prove to you right now how smart I am. 
So whatever you say, if I think that you're not agreeing with me, I'm going to argue with you. Yeah. You know, okay. So I just met someone a few, probably last month, about a month ago, who um, we were talking about that exact thing. And he has a, a background in improv. And mm -hmm. it's one of the things like I want to adapt for Idea Lemon for some of the stuff that we teach. But yeah. it's basically like you do an exercise with someone, and this is kind of the foundation of learning improv, but you cannot start your, you have to start your sentence with the last word that they finish their sentence with. And mm. by doing that, it makes sure that you actually listen to what they're saying instead of just getting out of your head what was, like what you wanted to say in the first place, regardless of what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think improv is brilliant for that. And you know what? one of the rules is yes you and. have to say yes yeah, yeah, yeah yes and. exactly you got it yeah i just sent martin a, a article about a new book that came out from second city called yes and wait is that a new book i thought that was an old book oh it was featured in a newsletter so oh yeah I got, so maybe oh i want to read that yeah it's on amazon so i just thought okay, it was crazy cool. how young bill murray looked on it and john candy <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I remember first hearing about Yes And a long, long time ago, but then like two and a half years ago, maybe a little longer, at Brand Smart when I was uh, at that conference. I actually had Second City because Second City does business training, okay. mm -hmm. teaching the Yes And principle, um, which I think is really fascinating just in the, in the sense of trying to bring a little bit more fun <laughs> to uh, business training uh, and, and kind of giving people going back to what you had talked about, Susie, where it's like, what is the point? Well, in the case of Second City, it's to like have fun with it, mm -hmm. not just, oh my God, I have to sit in a business meeting all day and like hear so many different things and you leave almost so overwhelmed that you don't even know what the point of the whole day was. It's like, the point was growth or some marketing speak, like, right. drip, drip, yeah. drip, you know? And it's like, <laughs> uh, well, at least like, if the point is just to have fun and learn something, that's pretty simple. And I think Second City is great for bringing that forward. Well, and that's what true improv is, the idea of the yes and or repeating what they just said and then building on that. That's like, mm -hmm. that's literally improvisation. If you just say what you wanted to say, regardless of what they said, you're that then that that's script at that point. I mean, it's mental script, but it's still script. Which right. Is right. Interesting because on. Uh, Freakonomics podcast, I believe. Um, I was listening, and they were talking. They had a whole episode about that's a good question. Yeah, how, how people use that, that. Um, and it's the antithesis because people use that as a way to deflect your question and insert their own answer. Uh, so mm -hmm. you'll say like, "Hey, what were your thoughts on the budget, Mr. President?" And he'll go, "That's a good question," and then he'll say. Whatever the hell he yeah. wants to say, because it's... Have you been time. to the Lincoln Park Zoo? <laughs> <laughs> now look. I'm well, not going to say, Yeah, that was his other... That's his they other actually pointed out, yeah. his uh, now look and listen yeah. are, his, are his two. Uh, but um, the reason they have that's good question is because their interviewer is Carson. Uh, but even, not even in the interview case, well, what do you call it? Media type interview, but what they also point out is job interviews or any sort of like professional setting, you feel like this compulsion to say, that's a good question. I think to like appease the other person and make them feel important, 
And you want to acknowledge them like, no, too, it's not. right? It's a completely normal question. Like all I did was yeah. ask you, what's your background? Yeah. Well, There's nothing about extraordinary about, about what you asked, but <laughs> I want to acknowledge the question. fact that you took the time. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but that, that question was stupid. Yeah, let's start doing that. Because then when someone asks you a dumb question, be like, that was a dumb question. And yeah, but I'll answer it anyway. But you would never do that to somebody because then who are you? You're you're the asshole of the office. Like, well, don't ask Martin anything because I'll you're an idiot. We'll sign on to Skype soon. They'll be like, how was your day? Be like, that's a dumb question, but my day was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great yeah, to right. ask me that idiotic piece <laughs> of crap question. Why don't you just stop asking me questions, you moron? Uh, no, no one can ask me questions. I always have my headphones in, so. I pretend to have music on while I'm working so that no one can bother me. <laughs> you know, My boss will be like, hey, Susie, Susie. Nope. I am jamming out to nothing right now. Can't hear you. <laughs> Click, 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 click on empty keyboard. That's a total, like, uh, <laughs> like an April Ludgate move. Is it? Parks and Rec reference. Like, I... Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you too. None of you guys are like, oh, yeah, April Ludgate. I kind of got it. It's just been so long since I've seen the show. Oh, I just went, I just ran through the last five episodes. It was, they really finished on a high note. So I hear. John Cena was a guest star on an episode. Oh, shit. <laughs> Susie, do you watch wrestling? No, and I'm happy that we're in different cities right now because I was seriously just going to Google April Ludgate. <laughs> but I, I, now I told you guys, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> nice. Just so you know, the keyboard typing is uh, audible on our end, so we do know when you're when you're uh, Googling things. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like worse than the game. I'm just going to keep you using before. ridiculous like words and hopefully you're like, you know, dictionary.coming it. Pontificate. That's not. Funny. Oh my gosh, that's not. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Susie, what is pontificate? To assign something more importance than it deserves for the purpose of it being important. Wow, you really just googled that very quickly. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no. Oh, that was like your own like mental dictionary. Yeah. That's her. I thought pontificate though. was to think about deeply, like to, to like hypothesize almost. Um. Let's. Yeah, I have the dictionary.com app right here. Let's all get a little bit smarter. All right. <laughs> Let's pontificate this definition. Let's pontificate the definition of pontificating a little bit more. Uh, I, I think it is. Wait, do you guys want to make some bets? Um, yes. I've already used it correctly in a sentence, so I don't need to. <laughs> Next time we're all in the same city, <laughs> all right. loser buys. Fine, Martin's a game. Okay. To speak in a pompous or dogmatic manner. Score. Oh wow! Okay, so I've been incorrectly using pontificate. I think I was pretty years. close. <laughs> You've been very pompous with your use of pontificate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fucking. Oh man, why I feel bad? And this is going live. I have a, I have a, tendency, <laughs> I have a tendency to misuse words like a lot. You know what, though, Raj? I think a lot of people use words in the wrong context. So you may have actually been spreading the wrong definition of pontificate, and no one knows. And they're like, like "Oh, they, Raj is so smart." Yeah, they just it sounds smart, and they don't want to challenge. Right, right, right. That. Oh my gosh. There's so. I. What's the worst? word that you guys have ever done. Mine was in AP English in high school. Um, I was sitting there one day and I always would have like a bit of a panic attack every time we'd go around the room and it would come to me to read out loud. And you know, it's all these like these Shakespeare books and stuff. And 
I, Popcorn I, Martin. Yeah, exactly. And mm. I, I have this thing where if I get to the end of a line, I reread the exact same line over and over again until I like realize, oh shit, and then I try and move. Like my eyes just can't stay focused on the page. That's why I listen to audiobooks. Um, but this day out, so like when I'm reading out loud in class, I'm always so nervous and I'm just like staring at it and I'm like shaking. And I got to the word subtle and I just went subtle. Oh, I've read Island before. Island. And, <laughs> and, but thankfully, I was in an AP English class, so my teacher decided to stop the whole class and say, what was that, Marty? And I was like, <laughs> like I'm hungry, I want to sub. Oh, and he was yeah. like, he goes, that wasn't a very subtle mistake, was it, Marty? And I was oh, like, my kind of motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, I want, I'm hungry, I want to sub, and I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> I will tell you. <laughs> uh, here, okay, I got, I got one. In high school, one of my friends on the, the exam in health class, that was about STDs, one of the essay questions was like, or written questions, was what, is, what are common side effects of, I think, like gonorrhea. Of a penis. <laughs> 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 it, was like, it was like gonorrhea. And he writes... Uh, he writes that the side effect is pussy residue. But he spells pussy, P-U-S-S-Y. <laughs> and so the teacher, when she grades, he circles it and writes inappropriate, minus 10, see me after class. Oh, my. And she's like, but you can't write, like, slang for, she's like, this is a health class. You shouldn't, like, this is in a totally inappropriate. And he had, like, no idea what she was talking about because in his mind, he's like, pussy, like, what, what is she going off about? She's like, you don't know what I'm talking about? And she's like, this right here? And he's like, pussy residue? And she's like, oh, oh, that's what you were saying. Well, this is the most awkward after-class conversation. <laughs> but how would you spell it? With an I-E? I don't think I've ever had to spell that word in my life. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't want to. Let alone have that long of a conversation about that word. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, we're talking about pussy residue. Oh my gosh. But you know what? That's funny because that kind of brings it full circle to what we were just talking about, right? People what? are people don't know that they're having two different conversations and we're speaking the same language, but are we really? Because we have our own interpretations in our own minds, which is essentially a different language. It's the meaning that matters, not the actual word, but the meaning that you're assigning to it. I just um, tried to get all my coworkers to put glossaries of terms in the back of all of their decks because if that gets handed out and someone sees it outside of context, you know, tactics for me might be different for like tactics for you. So I'm like, guys, we need this. I like. I don't know. I don't know if it's helped, but I think it's a really good yeah. idea right now. Yeah, especially in marketing where it's like. Engage, oh my gosh, engagement yeah. and reach and all this stuff. There's all it those kind of all means words. the same thing, but it can all mean different things depending on the context. Exactly. Um, my boss talked to some lady that thought that big data was technology. So. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> big data and technology, technology, two very two very different things, but you I think that you never really know what you're getting into because, you know, especially with marketing, that can touch so many different parts of an organization, right? Like we can now get into research and development, right? Or even something closely more closely related like sales, but I think there's always things that you want to define and you don't want to assume people know that they know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but to answer but your question, time, you're able to get away with say, like if you can speak in those high level buzzwords, you're able to get away with saying things and like not really be challenged because the people who are, I don't know, are you using stop pontificating? Is there, is there a cat on your keyboard? What's going on? <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's just, you know, being, it goes back to the whole, that's a good question because it's people not wanting to actually answer or make a point. If you sound like you're just generally intelligent by using a bunch of buzzwords, the... And no one in the room wants to be the person that doesn't know what that means, right? Because it doesn't mean that they're dumb, but it means that they know less and nobody wants to take that role. But it's important too because you're most likely not the only person that doesn't understand. That's uh, no, that's so huge. it's kind of like the hero to be like, hey, can you expand on that a little bit because I'm not sure if it's clear. Yeah, you know. And then the person behind you is going, oh my god, I'm so happy that you asked. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, no one's paying attention in the first place because it's a crap. Right, and at least for your own notification, now you know. Yeah, no, that's huge because there's so many times. I think most often. And I don't have any data behind this, but I'm just going to make a, you know, whatever generalization here. Most often, when you're, let's say there's multiple people in a room, if you're confused about something, at least one other person is also confused about that same thing. Sure. I mean, unless, yeah. like, let's I say, like, that. you walk into, like, a nuclear physicist convention and you're us. Like, obviously, we know nothing going into that, and those people know what's going on. Let's just assume you're all of the same... You're, Everyone in the room is of a similar intelligence level and is knows a, you know the same rough amount about the topic. Right. There's probably more than one person who's confused because it's really rare. I think that one person is just so out of touch that they have no idea what someone's saying or like what. The well, you have to is. know your audience, right? Because all of this comes with context in it too. And actually, to your point, I well, at least I think it's similar. Um, did you guys take? I think his name was, it doesn't matter anymore, but there was a business like writing, speaking class, whatever, business communications class. And um, I remember the professor referred to a large room of people as a big, dumb giant, right? (laughs) Because the more people there are in the room, the more they don't know. People as individuals are intelligent. People as groups are dumb. Well, because you, you can get away, right, without li- without not listening, because there's other people listening who can. I, I, fill I you think in that it's like a cocktail of things. Like, yeah. there's more distractions, so therefore I don't have all your attention, so I don't have all your brain. Okay, that means that the IQ that I'm speaking to has now gone down. Also, you're adding up all of the things that people don't know, right? So maybe Raj, you are not well versed in finance. Martin, you're not very well. Versed in the products that we're selling, and then I'm maybe just not really well versed in our new marketing strategy. Okay, so instead of it just being one area that we don't know, now it's three. That's why it's the big dumb giant. 
there's I, I mean that even just happens in smaller teams too where you've got all everyone on the team is there for a different reason right everyone mm-hmm. has their own specialties supposedly um and i think it probably you see it the best in college where you get put on a project and you get to don't get to choose your team and suddenly you're just like all right, there's really just one person in this group that's going to have to do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because oh, gosh. Like, I can tell you a number of times I was the guy who had to do the whole yeah. thing. Oh, I think that we've all been that guy. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the most interesting things is when you do realize that you're not the smartest person in the group and you can admit it. There is an article with Rob Corddry. Do you guys know who that is? He was no. on The Daily Show. Uh, oh, yes. Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, and oh, he okay. was talking about how when he was on The Daily Show, he would always joke that he was the poop guy. And that he was the dumbest guy in the room. And he still to this day is like, no, that's absolutely 100% true. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> and he said there was um, a really humbling day when he realized that it's okay to be, to not get what someone's talking about and then just ask them. <laughs> like, Because the Daily Show has a lot of really smart writers and they have a lot mm-hmm. of really talented people. And he's just like, you know, I did, a, I had a great run on the Daily Show and I knew what my what I brought to the table and it was different than everyone else, but that didn't mean that I knew every political in and out that these like writers knew. So yeah. one mm-hmm. of the things that he said was the, the ability to know that he isn't the smartest actually allowed him to do more because he knew what to focus oh, yeah. on. And so he would just study Steve Carell tapes and he would um, just really figure out that it, you could have the best written joke and it could still fall flat, but they'll fix it in editing. And or you could have like a decent joke that they'll make amazing in editing. And he he learned how to riff enough so that even if a joke isn't going well, they have enough content to cut together something good. Hmm. And it was an interesting insight because it's like you could write the perfect joke or you can um, improv the perfect joke. And both are good because they're different skill sets. Yeah. And there's just something to that ability to to let go of the things that you don't know that I'm, I don't even think I'm close to good at yet, but uh, I don't know. I don't well. Know. It's true. Cause you want to learn from other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not? If you, if you are the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Cause you're not going to grow. Uh-huh. And that's the, I mean, we've talked a bunch about the whole average of five thing. Like if you're the average of five of the five people you spend the most time with and you're at the top of that five, like you should think about a new five because you're, I mean, while you're able to help others, you're not necessarily helping yourself by being the top person there. Unless you're teaching preschool. Is that a selfish then. view? Yeah, I mean, right. If you're teaching preschool, then you're fine. <laughs> well, well, it depends that's on not what, the, you're, I don't mean what like you want your role to be. context is different, though. It's not teaching. Oh, the, yeah. The, no, the, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm joking. Did you say it's selfish? Is it? Like... I don't, maybe selfish isn't the right word, but it depends on what your focus is, right? Are you at a point in your life where you're trying to develop yourself and maybe it goes with like where you are, you know, when you're, I think like earlier in life, like in your twenties, maybe you want to be the person that's getting the best out of this deal, right? Cause you want to grow the most, but then later in life you're like, okay, I've, I've gathered some wisdom. I have some knowledge to share now. Now maybe I don't care about being the top of of my five because I have a lot to show. Like I have a lot to give back. Well, and maybe that's the whole piece where you don't know everything, right? So yeah. in your 
first of all, you should you should never be at the top or the bottom of your five necessarily. But you, not everyone is on an equal playing field. Not everyone has the same background and experience. So I think it's more so diversifying the people that you spend your time with. If everyone you spend your time with all study the same thing, go to the same bars, and never push themselves, yeah, you might want to really reevaluate that. But mm. if you are in a group of people who all have maybe different focuses, different hobbies, different interests, and are the top in whatever topic that they're the top in. So, I mean, Raj, when it comes to music or something like that, obviously you know way more than me and you'll expose me to a lot more. And I don't ever expect to really become nearly as well-versed in music as you are. Um, but I think when it comes to other things... Podcasts. Um, I know to look to you for that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so there's everyone has their own strength that they bring to it, and, and that's what makes it good, I think. And it's diversifying your portfolio of connections. And I don't even necessarily see it so much as, like, is there one standard five? Like, it's okay to, like, be friends with whoever you want as long as, like, you know, you're friends with people that you enjoy being around. Yeah, of course. I look at it more as, like, the interests you have – can you create pockets of five with that? So let's take like entrepreneurship, for example. If I am in a group of five people and I am the quote unquote, top, I'm using air quotes, Susie, like the top entrepreneur, mm. I'm in trouble. Because for me, that's the blind leading the blind. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I don't, I really don't want to, unless I'm, I don't know, I'm talking to a group of like college students who are trying to figure out like what entrepreneurship is. Assuming I'm amidst professionals who are also entrepreneurial either in their endeavors or just entrepreneurial minded i do not want to be the the quote-unquote top entrepreneur and yeah and that's exactly my point you're if if that is the case you're in the wrong room but is there a way like someone's got to be the top one right (laughs) or is it just different view how you view it so like while i might look at that as like these people have more business experience, so I should learn from them. They might look at it as this person has, these other people around me know this kind of thing, which well, I Well, that's the learn. whole point of mentorship, where it's like, well, what's this you know, CEO going to learn from a young kid? Well, he's going to learn all the stuff that a young kid knows about being that age in this market. Like, Yeah. That's just... I mean, yeah, he has... could bring something to the table. So I think that what we're getting to is the context of the relationship and what you're trying to get out of it, right? Because, okay, Martin, you brought up mentors. How many articles have you read that said, you know, if you think you have a mentor, think about what you're going to give back. It's not a one-way relationship. Right. Yeah, and I I think there's also something cool in there, which is your five is only your five. It's not those people's five, too. That's true. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think that ever really gets mentioned, or at least I've not seen it, because just because these are the five people I spend my most time with doesn't mean that, you know, John Doe over there doesn't have his own five that he spends the most time with, and I'm not part of it. Um, There are only so many hours in the week, so that could be debated this way and that way, but I think it's pretty But it's, it's also a mindset thing, right? Like, I don't necessarily view it as amount of time, it's like quality time. Right, like by default, you're spending all your time with your coworkers. Yeah, mm-hmm. but just because you're physically near someone doesn't necessarily mean 
they're impacting you. Well, and we're not even physically near Susie, and she's right. impacting us. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> You're welcome. Sending positive vibes your way. Yeah, and we can we can like literally see the vibes in, in the form of your audio wavelength on the screen. Ah, uh -huh. <laughs> you are a bunch of zeros and ones to me. And <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so going back to like the and by the way, Susie, we've decided. I, don't, I hate to kill the momentum by like saying this is what we've decided to talk about for the podcast. Oh no no no! Go but ahead, give us some direction. Kind of like you know we've just been talking about all this stuff. What we'll do for this podcast, the topic slash question is how do you become a better listener? Mm, okay, I like that. Did you time. hear that? We said how do you become a better listener? What? <laughs> Not how do you become a louder talker? <laughs> Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker. Dog yeah, that's good. Five. We've pretty much have been on a similar theme, so that's good. <laughs> I think, so, okay, take like a, an interview scenario. I want to go back to the whole idea of good question, like that's a good question, or saying things as like filler. And I want to get your opinion on if you think it's good or not, but I very rarely ever say that's a good question because I know it's stupid and I know unless it really is a good question, it's not worth saying. However, I had an interview where I actually, I don't know why, but I was kind of surprised by when the guy asked me, so like, what do you enjoy doing in your spare time? I, for whatever reason, like the question just surprised me, and I remember in the interview, I laugh and I go, huh, "That's a good question." And in my mind, I was like, "Wait, this is a totally normal question. Why am I telling him that's a good question?" <laughs> it's because I was thrown off, and I wasn't yeah. expecting what he was about to say. That I said, "That's a good question," and I'm like, I could actually kind of see in his face him be like, Burr. "Was it?" <laughs> so he was like, "That was a very good comment because I read that question off of Wikipedia." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is like one of the first, when you Google interview questions, it's like the first hit that comes up. Yeah. So, like, do you have, Susie, like, fillers that you use while you're, and it doesn't have to be even an interview, just a normal conversation, fillers that you use as your brain tries to process what you need to say next? Absolutely. And my favorite filler is pretending that I'm really thinking about it when I'm actually oh, yeah, you going make a back. Thinky face. Oh yeah, I do the thinky face and I go, hmm. I know the thinky face. <laughs> as if as if like the wheels are are turning about, wow, I think that that is an excellent question, like you were saying. And now I'm gonna come up with an excellent answer. But really I'm thinking, God, I was just on Facebook. Uh what did he ask me? Hmm. Oh yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So, yes, I, I definitely do that. And you know what? I hate I hate to admit it, but it, it happens. Like, we'll be in a conference call or I'll be in a meeting and I'm thinking, okay, this doesn't pertain to me. All right, I already did a lot of work on this. I need a mental break. You know, what's Irina doing? I'm going to G-chat her. And then all of a sudden the conversation comes back to me. And I need a, to pause for a moment to try to go back in my brain and, and try to piece together what I think I might have heard. And, you know, assign the question some importance that it doesn't even really have to me. And then go, hmm, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. And then the second it's over, you go back to G-Chat and go, go, my God. I just got called out. <laughs> the teacher just called on me and I was so bold. <laughs> 
Yeah, this literally this literally happened to me today. And it, and it's not good because I don't think that any of us want to be that person. You know, we want to be engaged and we want to be present. We all know that we're supposed to do that, but I mean, is it you kind of have to take it easy on yourself sometimes because it's kind of like the 12 step program. God, I'm going off on such a tangent, but just bear with me for a minute. Okay. So NPR did a story on how the 12 step program of like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, um, doesn't really work because it's very harsh. Instead of focusing on the reduction of your abuse, it focuses simply on the sole absence of it. So if you, you know, have been sober for two months and then you drink for one day, it's like everything shot to shit. It's over. Or rather I'm focusing on like, Hey, you haven't drank in two months. You reduced your alcohol intake by a lot. You've made a huge accomplishment here and yeah, you had a slip, but let's focus on being normal, not being perfect. And I think it's similar in this context because our brains aren't meant to be focusing for all of that, right? Like what is it you for like 20 minutes, you'll listen to five or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I don't know. We're not tuned down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So funny because I totally have been rambling, but the point, but the point is like, so if you, if someone's giving me a a present, if someone's giving me a presentation or whatever, showing me something, they're going to have to reiterate their point every couple slides, right? Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and then tell them again, because we're not going to be engaged for the entire presentation. We're going to kind of swing in and out, right? That's the way that our, our brains work. We think in categories, I see something, I'm coming in and out of really focusing on what you're telling me. If I'm listening to something, I'm going to be listening to like 10% and then the rest I'm not. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something along those lines. And I wish I would have prepared for this because then I would be able to tell you. But, um, oh, but, but the point is like, that's actually, that is absolutely going to happen. And I think that if you want to become a better listener, it's all about just trying to focus on that, but not being too hard on yourself. If you, if you lose track of the conversation or if you get distracted and that also comes back to what you were saying, it's okay to say, I don't understand something. I think it's okay to say, Hey, you lost me. I repeat the question or, you know, cause I'm not a listener. If I'm just going, Hmm, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. Cause I'm never going to get back to you. I don't even know what you asked me. I'd be a better listener. If I said, you know what? You kind of lost me. Can you repeat the question? Cause then I'm going to listen. And you know, the flip- so I think it's right. I think it's just like taking, being more like accountable, like holding yourself accountable. Like, Hey, you lost me. Repeat the, it. The flip side of that is, I mean, it's almost like unintentionally, but the other person is kind of forced to like, really think about how they're saying it. Cause chances are they're not going to repeat exactly what they just said. They're going to say it. They're going to, ha- they're going to say it in like s- more or less simpler terms. So yeah, it, well, it, it almost like tests and I don't mean test in like, a, in like a grilling way, but it's a way to see how much do they even know what they're talking about. Yeah. And to take it even a step mm-hmm. higher, it's like, were they asking that question just cause they wanted to catch you off guard? Or was that a tactic in their presentation to keep people engaged? So maybe them doing that was a way to break up the presentation. Ah, so there's another answer to your question. How do you make people better listeners? Ask them questions. Yeah, and and so it's not just the one side of, oh, it's hard for us to stay engaged as listeners. 
It's the other side where most people suck at giving presentations. So of course they're going to lose, completely lose their audience because if you're up there droning on like a risk assessment, why did you stop talking? Was that on purpose? Yeah. Was that to prove your point? Because I was droning up. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> oh, okay. Funny. I thought you were, looking, like, I thought you were looking for me he's... to say droning on about, and then like you were tell you were looking to me to I'm be like, need those what's the top yeah. reports? <laughs> 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 No, you're doing you're doing D11, and you speak to a big group of people, and you have to keep them engaged. Is there anything that you guys try to do to keep that engagement? Like, do you try to keep it interactive, or what are some things that you guys go back and forth between? What have you noticed that has worked well? I put a farting machine under one chair in the audience. Brilliant. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll hit it. <laughs> we should start doing that. And poor John, man, every time. No. Um, well, we, we do, we try and tell stories. I mean, those, Yeah. that's the only way we've seen people stay engaged. I mean, I'm going back to the moth on Monday, um, and oh, nice. I never see anyone tune out during the moth, except even with the bad bad ones, because it's only five minutes each story, even the bad stories, you just want to watch them crash and burn. There's something fascinating in it. Um, and I think that the way they've set that up with five minutes, then a whole bunch of little quick like um, tear off stories, and then another five minutes and tear off stories, then another five minutes. The way that's set up is is almost like a watching a Twitter argument happen or something like that it's really engaging right because you get it in little snippets you don't have to stay focused for too long it kind of appeals to the ADD that everybody seems to have nowadays yeah right like if you are writing a blog you don't want to make it too long you want to make your couple of points now everybody writes in bullets but so yeah maybe don't talk for so much and people will stay engaged if you do write a longer blog post because I have written you know like in my ideal I'm an email some of them can get pretty lengthy, but the content like kind of funnels downward in a specific way that makes it, I think, in my mind, and based on the responses I get from people, it makes it more interesting or it makes you still want to know like what's he going to say next because it's not necessarily, you know, it might start out as a broad topic, but then it, as it goes on, it gets more granular. So it's like you can feel so you yourself like going down the funnel and finally getting like the point of information at the very end of it. And it's like, you see... Well, let me ask you something. Yeah. When you send out these idea lemon emails, are you asking for a response or are you just trying to keep the awareness and stay relevant with people that have subscribed and that you've reached out to? Usually I ask for a... So I, I, put, I pose a question at the very end. Have you noticed any patterns in the responses that you get to your questions? Like based on... The content that you send out? Uh, oh, I don't know if I follow your question. So, do you have you? I, this is just like a basic, I guess, like marketing question I, with I, like A/B testing. Get, yeah, I think I get where you're where you're going with it. So, she's saying like, what what things get the best responses? And 
from the emails that I send out to the AMA group that I run, it's mainly, um, I normally get the best responses from short ones with images, but I know that's different with what you send to the idea lemon list, where I think the best responses are the ones when you use really interesting questions based off the story you tell. So I don't so, know if it's necessarily length, it's more content. Right. And I think, Martin, what you said, and maybe I didn't hear you right, was it's quality over quantity. So you'll, because you said best responses, not necessarily best response rate. Did I read you right? So for the image based ones that I sent to the AMA group, um, I try to keep them shorter with a catchy image. And that has increased the click rate and the open rate. Um, mm -hmm. but that's also, you know, there's lots of different factors, whether it's a subject line or things like that. But I think, um, time of day, a lot of those things play yeah. into it. Yeah. But I think the ones that people actually email back to are the ones that have something personal in them that they've connected with. Yeah. On my end, that's. Oh, absolutely. That's a huge part of it. Right. I mean, like I can't just email anyone that anything that says like, hi, my name's Susie, write me back. No, they're going to be like, Susie, who the hell are you? It has to pertain to them in some way. So I absolutely get what you're saying. Um, but my point and what I wanted to get back to was Martin, you made that point about Twitter. It's like, it's really easy to follow a Buzzfeed article, right? Like 15 things that every woman needs to know about her man. And it's like, 10 pictures and whatever, those 15 bullet points, and it's like, that's super they easy They say 15 problem. things, but they only put 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they put 10 images because some yeah. of them don't need images. Like, right. I know it's what it's same. It's the same. I actually struggle to call them, again. like, articles, right? Like, they're well, just then, pictures yeah. and, like, headlines. Right. Well, but, they're, but they're easy, and people follow them, and I think that's why. It's because yeah. we have these short attention spans. Exactly. We need that bite-sized information. Well, they're brilliant because they do an entire article filled with headlines, like catchy headlines. Every line is a headline, and that's the point. And um, I think it also is about the space and knowing your audience. So they know that their audience, it's BuzzFeed, it's people who are distracted at work. That's why they have NSFW on NSFW posts, right? They right. know you're reading it at work, and they know you're tabbing in between things, and they know you're minimizing, and they know all that stuff. So and it's just a product of this generation, right? Like we're the Instagram kids. Like we need, we tell stories with images. True. But I, I think it's also about understanding your audience because there are still yeah. very long articles, all the lifestyle people I follow, all the, all the marketing blogs, everything like that. They're very like medium is a prime example of long form writing that is still engaging. And, you know, I'll read through an entire article that isn't a bunch of headlines, it's someone telling a very personalized, very interesting story. Um, I think I read one about like the last time this woman used heroin. And I was like, well, that's just fascinating. It starts with like, I, I woke up and made my kids lunch and they went to school and that was the last time I used heroin. And I was like, what? That's insane. Of course I'm gonna read this entire article. Yeah. Um, and I think that going back to what you said, it's all about knowing your audience. So the most interesting thing that I've seen of where a whole story was being told in a medium that I didn't expect it was Norm Macdonald talking about backstage SNL uh, via Twitter. And he told this whole story via a series of like, I don't know, 45 tweets or, or more tweets. And each tweet was a sentence. And it was fascinating because people would be like waiting for the next one, waiting for hmm. the next one. And he had him like, you know, just hook, line, and sinker. And, and I'm 
assuming he just did a stream of consciousness because he's been you know writing for so long. But um, that's got to be really hard to pull off to keep someone engaged via a series of 40 plus tweets um, versus an email, which is much longer form versus, uh, you know, Instagram, which is an image. And so I think you bring that all the way into an um, actual presentation. I think it's a combination of all those things, right? Cause you've got right, because it's focused. Them. Every single one of those tweets was focused because you only have so many characters that you can use, and each one of them has to have a purpose. You can't just use filler text. So that's what made it engaging. At no point was someone reading that and wasting their time. They were always getting information. Yeah, and that's and that's going back to what I was saying with my idea on the emails. It goes from within one email. It starts from broad and then gets granular, and you kind of go down the funnel as, as it gets more focused into the content. So it may be right. long, it may be long, but it's shorter, dense. But yeah, there you go. Dense is a good word, it's, mm -hmm. and not in the bad way. It's 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 dense because it's high quality, and people mm -hmm. want to follow along with what's being said. It's not like, you know, like I'll start off with a broad example, and then I'll say like my specific battle with it or my specific experience with it. And then it'll be like, have you experienced something similar to this? And then it's like, okay, tell me what your take is on it. So it's very, like, it's linear. It's not all over the place, and it's not static and staying in one place. Yeah, and going right. back to misunderstanding definitions of words, I think that your writing is quite dense. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's why <laughs> no, that's why I said dense, not in a bad way. <laughs> oh, man. Um, in, a, in a good way, in a good way, back. like... Uh... Like, uh, like a heavy cake. Like a heavy cake, or what is that one book <laughs> yeah, by you, Charles yeah, Dickens that everybody the loves slice, but they can't get through? You say to through. yourself afterwards, why the hell did I just do that? That's, that's what my emails are like. It's, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're why the hell did I just read that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're checking in like a five layer chocolate cake <laughs> from Max and Irma's. But, but there are long articles I've seen where I'll get a couple paragraphs in and I'll just kind of start scrolling through the rest of it pretty quickly, and I don't want to. I, I either don't read the rest of it or like I skipped like the last paragraph. Like the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Any sure. Malcolm Gladwell book. You know, you read the introduction, you get the point, but... And I really like him as an author, but his kind of style is like, make your I point get, and then overkill the it. point. And then, point overkill and then overkill it with examples and research. Like but You really I, only I think... need to read like one example per chapter to get the gist of what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. It's more for, I just, it's almost like textbook style reading. It's like just to give you more data for like future conversations you're going to have. Exactly. But it's great because then you have great future conversations based on the research that he puts in there. It's amazing. And then he can sell it to a university who can assign each person in the class or each group in the class a different story. And Did that happen for you? you? Huh? Did that happen for you? Or you're just no, saying? I'm just saying in general, like you, if you're, what we said earlier was you, when you're giving a presentation, you have to say the same point over and over and over again if you want people to re remember it, right? And so if you're going to be teaching this kind of stuff, which Malcolm Gladwell is trying to do, he's trying to teach people these new ideas, he, of course, has to reiterate it five or six times so we understand Yeah, it. but I think a book is different than a lecture or a presentation, right? Because that is that is very much a case like what we were talking about before where you are presenting to a big dumb giant. It's not one-on-one. -on -one. If I pick up a book, if I purchase a book, it's because I want to learn about this. I'm already promising you my engagement. That's that's true. I think in his case though, I mean his he has got he's got a different purpose than say like Kurt Vonnegut for writing a book. Like he's trying he absolutely is trying to write something that 
changes people's minds about something. And the best way to right. do that for him is, I mean, say he writes outlines. And I'm not and knocking just, Gladwell. No, I, I absolutely really not. Like... I understand that. Uh, but just to kind of to make sure we know like the different contexts for what you're trying to do. Right. When he goes and writes outliers and says the 10,000 hours rule, and he only gives the Beatles as an example, people are going to be like, what the hell is, like, what does he know? But wow. when he can give the Beatles, and he can give Bill Gates, and he can give, I don't know. I can't well, it's the rule of three, right? Like, if you, if you tell someone something three times, they'll believe it. Yeah. So, like, you tell me something, and then you tell me it again, and then you tell me it again. You're great, you're great, like, you're great, you're <laughs> great. Martin, what are you? I'm great, I'm great, yeah. I'm great. <laughs> Your 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 sarcasm is just wonderful. No, I do. <laughs> Let me ask you, and th this was like a year ago now, so maybe it's out of memory. My TEDx talk, which you both attended, do you remember the point that I, like the phrase slash point that I said? five or six times in the presentation. You were talking about like climbing Mount Everest or something. <laughs> yeah, I think that was What's the first your... thing you after me. Okay, Raj, no, I don't remember what it was, but, and I, was your talk about failure? Man, you just were not listening. Vulnerability. <laughs> it was about vulnerability. Breeds. Okay, but, some, but that could be my interpretation of vulnerability yeah i suppose okay in that sense is yes. that vulnerability breeds success or, or excellence the well it's, it's a little bit tough of a question because it was a year ago and i don't expect that you guys have watched it several times since or that you know it by memory just every like other night <laughs> normal Saturday. but the take-home message was the basis for progress is vulnerability and i said that and i, I paused and said that four or five maybe even six times in the presentation and the it was very intentional that I did that because, yeah, with this whole concept we're talking about, like repeating to make sure you're understood. I, you know, I would give a couple examples and I would say the base. That's because the basis for progress is vulnerability. A couple examples. That's because the basis for progress is vulnerability, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's good because you look at any musician or poet or anyone like that, right? Like they have a feeling they're trying to get across and what they're saying. And in order to get that feeling across, they always come back to that anchor in their point. And, you know, if you're a singer, it's a refrain. If you're a poet, it's that one thing that kind of accentuates at the end of each line with the Kim Kardashian one that we had a while back. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it definitely works. And I mean, how long does that last? Who knows, especially in this world, all the vulnerability discussions that have happened since then right um maybe not for everyone but at least in our discussions so but okay so that's really interesting that you said that because i've never i don't know if i've ever connected those dots before and it's it may seem obvious but in the context of this discussion it just struck a chord with me no pun intended but because yeah. we're not music <laughs> uh, but everyone remembers the 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 hook, or unless they have pop term, but oh, the chorus, oh my gosh, Raj, we were having the, the exact same thought. Brings yeah. you back. Yeah. That whole song is about how the words don't mean shit. Yeah, I remember you that telling me that. Is the most brilliant song I've ever listened to. My brother has sent me a text. He sent me a text. And he's like, "Holy shit! I just actually looked up the lyrics to that Blues Traveler song, and it blew my mind." It doesn't matter what I say.
basically saying like you're only grooving out to this song because of the tone but what I'm actually saying is none of this means anything and it's fake but even as he's saying that you're like oh my gosh no he's just satiring the music industry and it really does mean something and you start getting to this like circle of thoughts trying to figure out what he actually means if he's trying to trick you if it's just for money if it's like brings in all this other context that's in there that I'm, I mean, I'm sure ideas come in that he never even thought of. And, like, you get discussions into, with people about it. And it's, that's what really starts people understanding is not just having them remember the one phrase, but having them remember it in a way that causes some sort of emotion inside of them that makes them want to it's, keep talking about it. Right. It's the meaning that we were talking about. It's not just the words. It's what they mean. And isn't it funny? So you might remember the hook, but what did that what did that song mean to you? Like, what is it going to channel once it brings up? What's that emotion? Like Raj, when you asked us what your TED talk was about, I couldn't remember that it was about vulnerability. I could just remember that I attributed failure to it. Not your failure <laughs> per se, but I think that you, t- you talked about a lot of journeys that made you vulnerable. Sure. I saw your face sure. next to a TED sign and I thought failure. <laughs> what a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, no. Well, on the music front, too, like, it's so funny that, you know, you'll be out at a bar and say, like, Forgot About Dre comes on. And, like, everyone will be like, oh, this song's awesome. Then it'll be like, Dre will come in and be like, y'all know me, still same old G, but I've been low key. And then you'll start to hear people people going, (laughs) and then Eminem's part. Nowadays, everybody wanted, and everyone knows Eminem's hook. Yeah. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the lips. And then, like, Eminem's verse is pretty memorable in that, so memorable in that, so a lot of people know that. But then Dre's third verse comes in, it's like, feels up to me, you motherfuckers will stop coming up to me, well, put your hands up. And, and think about the message. And then Eminem's part again. Think about the message. Dre's just talking about how people forgot who he was. Yeah. But, like, there's, like, that song. There's other, like, you know, classic songs, both hip-hop, rock, any genre, where it's like, everyone comes back to the hook. Because it's those four bars that are said three to four times in the song. But then the verses, it's like, you're okay just kind of humming along. <laughs> and it's like the hook totally. is, the, is like the presentation version, or is the music version of repeating your point in a presentation. Uh, and you know what kills me? When there's a song with really meaningful, brilliant lyrics, and then the hook is just garbage. Like, And then a stripper was dancing on my lap, and I was like, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like in the lyrics, they're like just... Describing how to solve world hunger. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Why are they singing songs about a girl dancing in your lap and then world hunger? Read a book. Read a book. Read a <laughs> fucking book. Um, no, but exactly. I, I do want to go back, though, because the Eminem lyric, I, my point was, because I blanked out on the lyrics, but it's nowadays everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips, just a bunch of gibberish. And everyone can relate to that. That's an emotion yeah. that everyone can relate to, but no one can relate to Dre being forgot. No one can relate to Dre saying, you motherfuckers don't listen to me. Like, no one understands. No one understands me. I'm Dre. But like, everyone can understand when people keep talking and not saying anything. And that's the emotional connection that's quick. And we get it and we can buy into it and we can talk about it. Um, And the same goes for like these blues traveler lyrics where, you know, he's like, I can keep talking as long as it takes, but and it doesn't matter who you are. If I'm doing my job, it's your resolve that breaks. And he, he goes into these lyrics where it's like, sure, the people like they're vulnerable and people say these things and they draw you in and then they're still fake. 
and everyone can kind of relate to that where you've been sort of tricked or hurt or or all these different emotions that go into the song um, and I think that's why it starts to layer itself where you you almost it feeds into that can I trust people aspect of our emotional connection yeah and but you are everyone everyone has been on both sides of that everybody has been the person that has been vulnerable and everybody has been the person that's been fake do you know what I mean? Yeah, which which even further emphasizes it. So it's not even just playing one or the other card. Yeah. And But how much meaning can we really... Sometimes you have to have these stupid, empty conversations that nobody really cares about. Like, you run into your neighbor at Walgreens, and now you guys have to talk. And it's, like, not going to be a meaningful conversation. You're not going to discuss the meaning of the universe. You're just going to say... Hey, how's your mom? Great. How's yours? Blah, 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 blah. And then move on with your lives. And you might not even remember what you talked about a week from then or even come back to that interaction ever again in your life. So I think that this is, again, one of those points where people just kind of have to take it easy on themselves. You're not going to find great meaning in every single conversation. And sometimes it's okay to be fake because what are you, you going to do? Just ignore your neighbor just because you don't have anything meaningful to talk about just because you're going to say some bullshit i mean that's how our culture is constructed we are all bullshitters to each other because bullshit is polite so you're telling me that my reclusive strategy and giving everyone a bitch face is not correct <laughs> you have resting bitch face and it needs to be addressed <laughs> yeah you know it's yeah you're right Susie. not everything has to be the most important thing ever we don't want to pontificate. The <laughs> exactly. word of the day. Exactly. The correct use of pontificate. Assigning greater value to something than, than what actually exists. Is that right? Yeah. Glad I, glad I finally got that right after years of using it incorrectly. Let's see how many times we can use it in a sentence. It'll be like meow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to pontificate a little bit more about the music thing. Oh, yeah. Can't you just pontificate? In your room alone tonight. <laughs> That's nasty. <laughs> I, uh, no, but I think the music thing is brilliant because artists have used it to their advantage right now. There's this formula for how to make a hit song, have a hit hook, and then have a repetitive beat Shake or melody. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and exactly. I think the whole being smart about it, too, is like, I mean, not just now, but... I feel like more recently artists are realizing what, you know, they can almost like get away by like slipping messages into songs, like kind of like, not like subconsciously, but just like it sounds catchy and everyone's saying it, but it's actually saying something that's like positive and real. Um, I remember when NERD came to DePaul for the Fest concert, the concert on the quad, Pharrell was on stage like hyping up the crowd like in between songs and he's like if you go to class every day make some noise <laughs> and he's like yeah, <laughs> yeah right? if you get straight A's make yeah. some noise yeah if you get F's be silent he could have been saying anything like, he could have been know, like I stole an elephant from the zoo make some noise yeah. like, and it would have been the same thing yeah but like he's like he's like casually just slipping in like really positive things and he's like if you fail every class if you read books be silent and, like everyone makes noise he's like okay so you all get straight A's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm Pharrell. Everyone be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other part of it too is 
And this is something I've very recently learned is, and to bring it back to the whole uh, how to be a better listener, is understanding what your own interpretation of something is. Um, and so particularly with music, I was listening to an interview uh, with Jay Cole on NPR's Microphone Check show, which mm-hmm. is an awesome show you should check out. And what he was saying was, so like they're asking him like, oh, like what were you going for in this song? And he was kind of telling like his story and what you know, the message he wants to put out there. But he's like, but what I love about making music is that it everyone feel it, you know it makes everyone feel a certain way, and what one person might react to is one part of a song, but another person might react to another part of a song, and they're totally okay to both react in their own ways. And then there's the people who they listen to it you know one time over, and they don't get anything out of it. And then maybe it's months, maybe it's years later. They, that song comes up in their head again. They're like, oh, my God, now I get it. Absolutely. And when he was talking about that, I was like, that's huge. And then, like, literally later that day, uh, I was listening to a Childish Gambino song called uh, called Be Alone. Music was my side chick, but now we're moving in together. Always felt misunderstood. I guess I have to tolerate my swag. Jehovah Witness, dude, it never take a holiday. ABC jeans, brown leather jacket on. Kitsune cable knit, cardigan from Rag and Bow. Thick Filipino chick, homemade bracelet. Her booty make her just a rapper. She ain't gotta say shit. And I was like, oh my god. And I've learned the song for I think three years now. And I've listened to it hundreds of times. And finally, like it hit me. Because maybe now you've had an experience that exactly. you can relate. And that's exactly so, what it is. And that gets back to it. Like you were saying that one way that you reach out to people that you target with your dilemma messages is the content. So it's an experience that people can relate to. And then they'll respond with that experience that they were able to connect with what you wrote. And it's the same thing with music. There's so many great songs by Dave Matthews that I've heard. And, you know, they'll, they'll come on my Pandora and I'll be like, yes, you know, I'll leave it on and I'll turn it up. I'll like it. But there's one in particular that it's like you've had this one category of breakup. And when that song comes on, it's like, oh, my God, it's like Dave Matthews wrote this song for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and, then, like- I, and then and then it totally changes. And I, and I think that that's what you're talking about with like with Childish Gambino and what uh, was it J. Cole was talking about. Yeah. Like someone's going to take something away from it because we decode things how we understand our world. Absolutely. So when that's the case, so music has a, has a little bit more creative license and they are able to get away with a lot more. But when you think take it down to like a one-on-one conversation or a business setting, you don't necessarily have the luxury of 
allowing someone to resonate with something three years down the line when you ha when you're trying to you know make money now. So are there commonalities that we should be looking at to get them to get to that? Yes, I I get it. It makes sense sooner rather than later. I just got an email from my boss. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I just, I just have to own it because I was talking about owning it, but yeah, I just saw this email come in. We're leaving and... that in. We're not editing that out, by the way. Oh no, don't edit it out because it's, it's perfect. <laughs> I too I, I did feel a little up. bit of guilt. <laughs> I Sorry. Did, yeah, I did Martin was silent because he's looking up something else. I, okay. <laughs> no one. Raj, listen. you've been having a great time. You've become a better listener. Do you think we have had these problems before? I mean, are we just kind of adding to this by having like our smartphones and our tablets and our computers and all these different things that now our brains are wired to be looking at several different things at a time? Like, did people have these problems in the 50s? It certainly doesn't help that we have distraction at any given moment. Well, you guys like, we would be distracted anyway, but now we just have more channels to be distracted from. Sure, but I think that that it may, it's easier to be distracted now. I don't think it, I think it was easier yeah. to focus, you know, before all this technology. Um, yeah. What so, you guys just did was like the professional equivalent of when you're on a conference call and like someone sends you like a YouTube video or someone starts g-chatting you or you start you know reading whatever life hacker ESPN or whatever. Yeah. And then it comes kind of like we were saying before, Susie, where like. Someone's like, what's your take on that? And But like what my reaction whenever that would happen to me is I'd be, I'd just be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like you cut off for a second. Can you repeat that last yeah. part? <laughs> well, I was just so happy that Susie got caught first because it took a lot of the pressure off me also getting caught in the same situation. You're welcome. And, and what I think is very interesting as well is, you know, a lot of times we miss. So what you were saying, Susie, is it, is it different now that we have a smartphone and a laptop and all that good stuff? And um, yes and no. I mean, I saw an image of a train car from, you know, black and white times. I don't know, whatever the, the those time periods were. Um, but basically everyone in the <laughs> Black car, and white train the car black, times. When there not, was no color like, in the like universe. The period. You have the Renaissance. You have the Age of Enlightenment. And you have the black and white train <laughs> car. The age of the black and white. And, and, and I, I'm speaking purely photographical. Um <laughs> Oh, that was awesome. And so, but it, it just showed it. It said, um, it said, it said uh, train cars today, everyone on their phone. Train cars, you know, whatever year that was. Newspapers, and everyone had yeah. newspapers in front of their yeah. faces. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Or maybe no they all just didn't want to get photographed, you know. Maybe they were all looking weird that day. Um, but what I was, what, what I think is the same is the fact that just because we have a smartphone or something like that, it's maybe a little more distracting, but it doesn't change the fact that when we are in these mindless conversations, when we're even in engaged conversations, um, we spend more time thinking about what we're going to say next than actually listening to the person who's talking. And especially in a situation like this, where there's a microphone or in an interview or something like that, because what I was looking up was my next point, because I wanted huh. to quote it correctly, and I totally missed your whole point while I was looking at my point, and I apologize oh, for sorry, that. Right. Sorta. It's okay. And, we're beyond it now. And and <laughs> I think one of the interesting things is the point is that this article is trying to make on Lifehacker is when you get into an elevator, if you don't want to have the how's the weather conversation or the mindless, pointless conversation, and you just want to make it slightly more interesting and engaging, what you can do is you can ask for advice. 
And so when you get on the elevator, instead of saying, oh, the weather outside is frightful. Because everyone says it like that and breaks out into, yeah, into show know, tunes. I mean, oh, that's I mean in your world, it's, yes. It's Christmas, not show tunes. But, <laughs> and it is Chicago, so it is freaking frightful. Um, but you get in and you say, instead of like, hey, oh, crazy weather out there, you say, hey, what should I get my cousin for their birthday? Well, you know what that also does? It assigns importance to the other person because now their opinion matters, right? It's the same reason that if you want a job somewhere, reach out to somebody that works there and ask them if you can pick their brain because everybody wants to be the focus of a conversation. What's easier to talk about than yourself? You know, if someone asks me for advice, ooh, you, you care what I think? I'd be happy to help you. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, it's... You're in a way giving someone a responsibility, but because of that, they're like, oh, this person values me, so let me Right. Let me until, until you take the same elevator with the same person every day because you have the same schedule, and they're like, this mother won't stop <laughs> asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get your guys' opinion on... Already looking for Nice way to use that lesson. <laughs> Damn it. It sucks being like... Hyper like with other hyper aware people because you can't. Yeah. <laughs> You're catching, and I was not googling, so I was paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get your your uh, your advice or your opinion on certain conversation filler, and I don't mean the the that's a good question filler. I mean the but um filler. But um. So listen, like Susie, <laughs> not like a drum. I mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, but comma. Um, so, like in yeah. your case, Susie, when you say, when you're listening to someone talk, and then it's your turn, and you give that like pursed lip, like thinking face, mm -hmm. do you say, um? No, I don't say um because I think that um has a really negative stigma to it. Like, oh, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I'd rather do the hmm. I think hmm comes off more pensive. <laughs> strategic about my bullshit. She's like, hmm, that light is very bright and making me squinty and smart. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, but I think, you know what the point no, is? No, you just did it. You just did it. No, she didn't. She said, but I think. No, she said, uh, but I. No, she said, but I think. Right, but she started it with, uh. I said, uh, no. But I... No, I said, first of all, I said Noah, like is in Noah's Ark. Play it back. Right. Anyway, thanks, it thanks, back. thanks for calling me out. You, you, you didn't totally say but, play uh, it back and be like, Susie's a liar. <laughs> but you said, you said, you said, uh, but I think. Here's, here's the thing. And I think that people kind of do that subconsciously. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to the same thing that you are trying to accomplish with. That's a good question. What you're trying to do is assign importance to the person that asked it so that they don't know how unimportant they actually are to you in that moment that you weren't listening, right? Because if I say, good question, I'm acknowledging you. If I say, hmm, I'm saying I'm really thinking about this deeply because what you asked me is important. So whether or not it's genuine, it just, it's polite. And I'm not saying that it's that it's better to be polite than it is to be honest. I don't think that at all. But I think that that gets down to the essence of why we do these things. Because no one wants to say, God, I don't give a fuck about what you're talking about. Like, I'm thinking about my own thing. No. And sometimes, it, and sometimes Raj, which, which I'm Which I have done before, actually. I just stare at people. So like, honestly, I don't care, man. <laughs> I just stare at people with a blank face until they go away. Just... <laughs> 
Just, just, just eyes. His just mouth is open. People start throwing like fruit snacks in his mouth to see if he's still listening. <laughs> oh my god! If they feed me fruit snacks, I might answer questions. But Susie, we interrupted you. You were Sorry. saying. No, no, no. You also do these things genuinely, Raj. There has there ever been a time that someone asked a question and you thought, "Why didn't I ask that?" Like, in order for someone to ask that question, they must have a lot of knowledge. Like that was somehow. A- intelligent to point out that that was a gap in the information that was just provided. Does that make sense? Do you have any grape? And there's... (laughs) Any any grape move on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I get what you're saying, which actually, can I jump to another, uh, like, conversation-ism? Because you just mentioned it. The, The phrase, that does that make sense, which you just used. Oh, yeah. And... I That's always totally notice when people there. say, does that make sense? They are less confident in what they just said. They never, No one ever confidently says something and then says, does that make sense? Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Because you are asking yourself, was I just rambling? Is anybody following? Yeah, the other ways that that shows itself is what I do is I just go trailing off. I'm like, and that was kind of my point, right? All right, cool. Moving on. How else do you make sure this is so aligned too? Because how else do you make sure that people are following? Because you tend sometimes you lose people when you're making when you're spending a lot of time making a point. Someone might have been like, "All right, thank you, Malcolm Gladwell. I get it. Now I've moved on and I'm thinking about other things." So how do you check back in with them to just say, "Hey, are you with me? Do you are you following? Do you, does anybody have any questions?" Yeah, I, well, I think there's different ways you can. I just feel like when you say, does that make sense? It like. Or, you know. It, yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am. It's, you I'm know, so guilty of the, you know. At some point, I don't know what they're, you knowing, what I'm supposed to be knowing. Yeah. You I, say, I never, you know so I never do know, but I don't feel like I'm allowed to stop them. Um, Susie, to to that point about what, how do you keep make sure people are following along, I, just, I specifically don't like the phrase, does that make sense? Because it's like, I don't want to say it's a sign of weakness, but it's. It's just, it's projecting that. It's a sign that you're questioning if you make sense. Right. And I just would rather, I might ask something like you follow or, and this is something that I I learned in college while doing um, uh, radio uh, and broadcasting Mm -hmm. some of the like basketball and softball games at DePaul. There is so much power and just so much beauty in a, a, a pause and a, you know, a little bit of silence. So, like, broadcasting softball over the radio, there's not a whole lot you can necessarily say at any given time. And that's where I just learned to be okay with a little bit of silence and, like, the ambient noise that's going on in the background. And from that, like, now now I'm able to carry over into certain conversations. It's okay to just kind of slow down and just, like, stop for, you know... Even like one second. Uh, yeah, and like it'll an let people digest. Yeah. It'll let they, people digest. And they kind of inherently know, like, they they see that you're breaking Here's and they'll be like, I okay, I can jump in here. and Yeah, if I need to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think just in want general, to. anytime you're asking, like, does that make sense? It, it comes back to how are you saying it? If you're up there timidly going, does this make sense to everyone? I think the intonation is huge. The yeah. intonation, it's, it's, well, it doesn't yeah, matter but what it's I also, say as long as I speak with inflection. So if you're like, right? Right. That is different than right? 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, right. The way that you said it first is like, do you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's not in an insecure way. But I think that another purpose of it, and at least I, this is what I do. I at no point in my conversation, especially if I'm making a very, if I'm stating a powerful opinion and that maybe this is wrong, but I don't ever want to make the other person feel as if I'm assigning them an inferior role in our conversation. So instead of saying anything that will come off as, are you too stupid to understand what I'm saying? I would rather say, am I making any sense to you? Because if I'm not, that's probably my fault, not yours, just to take the pressure off of them. And I don't know why I do that, but I, but I do because I, if I'm taking a very powerful role in a conversation, I would rather have the blame for no sense being made to fall on me than on my listener. I, I because I feel completely. like that might make them more... Um, susceptible to my opinion. Yeah. I, and I didn't mean to say like, it's a matter of like, is someone too stupid to follow? I think you're right on point. It's not, I, it's rarely the case that it's someone else's fault that they're not following unless like they're and so got, distracted got, or they're just literally like they can't comprehend it. It's usually a matter of how you're presenting it, how you're saying it. That it's so like whenever right. someone says like, Oh, they just didn't get it my mind immediately goes to, well, maybe you didn't communicate it the right way. Right. And I think that you want to be fair to your audience. I had a friend on Facebook post this as his status like uh, recently where he said he was a, a bar in Colorado, I think, a bartender in Denver told him once that an idea should be simple enough that it can be understood drunk and smart enough that it still makes sense sober. Mm. What are some of the things that you guys have been, or, or let me just rephrase that. Are there any examples that you can remember in which you thought you were making perfect sense, but you just, no one got it and you left the room just like, ah, uh, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, that's been, hap- that happens a lot. So a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so in the projects that I've been working on lately, we have like a couple weeks of just ideation. And it's just my team and I, maybe three to four people sitting in a room just shooting ideas back and forth. The one of the limits that there are to that is that we're typically just using spoken word to express ourselves, where I, I find that some people are much more talented expressing themselves through images and through pictures. So I've had a lot of, and I've, re- and I've realized that I'm one of these people. So I'll be sitting in the room with my coworkers and I'm trying to express an idea and I know it's a brilliant idea and my boss will be like no I don't know we can't do that a week later my boss will be like let's do this and I will know that she is saying exactly what I was trying to say but her use of language is much better than mine so what I've started doing is illustrating it and it comes across a lot better literally drawing it I literally have to draw my ideas and I literally have to draw out how things are connected and how things will flow. up Susie okay the way we do this is by we go one by one and give we believe our responses to the question so 
Martin, why don't we start with you? We'll we'll go us two, and then we'll finish with Susie. What? Good. Excuse me. The question is, how do you become a better listener, Martin? What's your response? I think you become a better listener by becoming a better storyteller. Because if you know how to tell stories, you know what to look for when you're listening. I like that. My response, how do you become a better listener? I'm going to give two. First is, uh, there's an episode, I want to draw to it, there's an episode of Shark Tank, which Mark Cuban calls the worst pitch he's ever seen. It's this company called Rolo Doc, and it's these two doctors who want to build this, like, messaging platform for doctors to communicate with patients on like a one-to-one level basically so instead of like the beeper you'd have like direct access to instant messaging with a doctor Uh and their pitch didn't make a whole lot of sense up front and then Cuban kept asking them questions and they kept giving these like beat around the bush responses like he said like okay so what's your plan to grow this how, how are you going to acquire users and they said we want to take social media and bring it to the medical industry and he's like you're, he's like you're not answering my question you're just right. telling me so you're just saying social media over and <laughs> over and over again social media social media <laughs> yeah and it like that that example in and of itself is this what we were saying before is they were so concerned with just spitting out like what this uh, concept they had in their brains that no matter what questions they got, they were just going to give those responses anyway. And then, you know, in their post interview, like when they obviously don't get the investment, they're like, I can't believe they didn't see the value in Rolodoc. And it's like, no, they didn't. It's not that they didn't see the value. It's that you poorly communicated and did not listen to the questions they had. So, my, my one response, my first response is that to become a better listener, you've got to really listen to what and actually focus on what the person is saying and respond to what they just asked instead of what you want to say. Mm-hmm. The second thing I want to give is tied into the music stuff we talked about. And this is something that I have really learned in the last few months is that I used to listen to a lot of rap songs and focus so hard on what is the artist trying to say here. So like in high school, I used to buy an album, listen to it once, just like casually, and then listen to it a second and third time all the way through and really like actually like study the words they were saying and what are they actually trying to say. And it's not to say like I don't listen now, like I don't try and derive meaning out of what artists say, but now it's way more about what do I want to feel out of this? What do I want to get out of it? Not just what are they trying to tell me? Because I think specifically with music and different forms of art, it really is about your own interpretation of it. Right. So, you like, want to I derive gave, like, your own meaning, exactly. not just theirs. Mm-hmm. So like where I gave like that, that Gambino example, he may be thinking talking about one particular like part of his life. But if I can draw the parallel to my own life and it like helps explain a or helps me better think about something that's happened in my life, that is way more powerful than just trying so hard to understand what's he saying. It's not, it's not just what's he saying, it's, what, like, it's more about why do I care and, and how does this affect me. Susie, how do you become a better listener? 
Um, well, I want to start off by saying that I like both of your responses. <laughs> is that, is um, that your, that your, that's your trick right there? Compliment? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, because you said something about – earlier we were talking about how people need to relate an experience in order for them to be engaged. And you're talking about trying to relate an experience. So that ties directly to what we were saying. Um, and I appreciate that. And I'm being completely honest right now. Also, keep in mind that I have taken improv, so now this is just the way that I talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally in conversation, and I get called out for it a lot. Uh, but I also think that going back to what we were saying earlier, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to this because, yes, we may all strive to be, if not perfect, then better at something. And I think that the foundation for that is to be honest. So while I may never be the perfect listener, while I may get distracted from emails, I think that what I can do is to be honest with myself and just say, I lost track of this conversation. I got distracted and then jump back in. And that will make me a better listener because I will get the point that you are trying to give to me. And I'm actively engaging you to give that to me instead of just making myself present for you to give it to me. Right. It's kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm making some type of a trigger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had another point to add to that, but I got distracted by Martin's wonderful picture of him here with a top hat and what looks like a poster <laughs> behind him of a man that's about to step on his head. <laughs> and I just realized that it literally looks like someone's about to step on you. Uh, oh my gosh. So I'm, a I'm not even listening to myself. <laughs> Well, and on that note, I'm going to lead us out with the most important lesson in listening. Shut the fuck up. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Thank you, guys. It was great talking to you both. And that's all she wrote for our conversation with the one, the only, Susie Alvarez. Susie. Thanks for joining us for that. I think that kind of ended up being like a fun way to take Communication 101. Anyway, we had an awesome time. If you want to get in touch with Susie, you can tweet her at SusieAlvarez1. That's the number one, SusieAlvarez1. Questions about our show, shoot us an email, getfresh at idealemon.com, or tweet us at idealemon. You can also talk about this show on social media using hashtag DYIA, which stands for Discover Your Inner Awesome, if you didn't catch that. Let's run through the audio credits real quick. This episode featured music from Blues Traveler, Hook, as well as Childish Gambino, Be Alone, and audio clips from the diametrically opposed segment of the show Key and Peel and the movie Rush Hour. Lastly, the song playing right now, our show's theme, is Summertime from Chris Leamy. That does it for this episode of Discover Your Inner Awesome. For Martin McGovern, I'm Rajiv Nathan. We'll see you next time. Sure.